Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Bantam Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. Well, we've entered spring, believe it or not, even with the weather, it is April, and I thought it'd be great to profile a spring team. And that's why we're going to go with Trinity Women's Lacrosse. And head coach Katie Dissinger is so nice to join us here uh, on the podcast. First of all, Katie, thank you so much for the time. And uh, you're having a good year this year already, 9-4. and four. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, great year. We're, we're definitely excited. We have... Um awesome group and it's just been it's hard to believe that we only have two games left in the regular season well said well so um so let's just go back to you've been uh, the head coach at training college since june 2014 you were an assistant before that uh now in fact the national assistant coach of the year in 2012 uh you're a 2011 graduate of bowden let's just go back even further before that katie Growing up, first of all, where did you grow up, and was lacrosse always your favorite sport? Yeah, I um I grew up actually in Long Island, New York, um in a town called Upper Brookville, which is right near Locust Valley, Manhattan area, which are very large hubs of lacrosse. Um, so I did. I grew up playing uh, from a pretty young age, um, and and always loved it, and always knew in some capacity I wanted to continue to play, but um. Actually, I like really fell in love with field hockey in high school, and and thought potentially that I would play field hockey in college, and kind of pursue that because it was kind of new and fresh and exciting. Um, so I actually looked for both potentially to play one or the other, or maybe both, um, and then ended up with lacrosse as an option. Um, definitely headed into the process trying to figure out the best academic school that you know, sports could get me into, but also just an opportunity to compete. Um, I wanted to compete at a really good level. I wanted to just, you know, be able to kind of fight for uh, a conference championship, what would hope to be, I think, a dream that I didn't quite have as, you know, a 16 or 17-year-old would be a national championship, but obviously then became one as a, as a college player. Yeah, just talk about that experience at Bowdoin. What was it like? How did you did you know about the school from Long Island, pretty far away, Maine? Um, and just talk about your experience playing Bowdoin and your your entire career there as a player. Yeah, I um, I actually I looked at Bowdoin initially for field hockey and looked up there uh, and did kind of the base Bowdoin, Colby, you know, full kind of little bit NASCAC search, and then I actually didn't look at any other schools in that conference. Um, I was looking at Davidson and Ohio State and Miami of Ohio and just big schools, small schools, kind of all over the map, didn't really know what I wanted as the young teenagers usually don't know what they want. Um, and so landed on Bowdoin. The coach was able to see me play. I was fortunate enough uh, to have her watch me at a pretty big tournament in the summer. And I just, it was the energy when I got to campus. I, I loved the campus. And I, I grew up going to Maine. Um, I camp every summer for seven years uh, on Lake Sebago, pretty a little bit further up in the middle of the woods. So I knew Maine pretty well. I didn't think I wanted to spend a ton of time there outside of the summer. Uh, but, you know, with, with the weather being what it was, but I just, the campus was unbelievable. And I, I ended up applying early decision one and was really inspired. I, the coach is someone who, for me, was kind of the perfect fit. Um, she just, really connected with me and we did, we had a really great relationship all through my four years um, and definitely inspired me to kind of 
look into coaching and, and travel that path uh, for sure, which hadn't been on the docket. And so I played lacrosse for four years. I did not end up trying out for field hockey and kind of went through the ups and downs when we were there. We didn't make conference playoffs my sophomore year. We had an unbelievable class right below me. So I started with nine people in my class. I ended with two, myself and my co-captain. Um, and, you know, it was just that that age where lacrosse was becoming just so big. And so there was this difference between kind of what are now lacrosse players that are incredible athletes and then just athletes who you are making into lacrosse players. And so we were kind of part of that transition. Uh, and so my co-captain and I, when we were seniors, were just the two of us. Um, sophomore year, we didn't make it to NESCATS, and senior year, we made it to the national championship game. So it was kind of, we, we rolled the highs and lows of what would be traveling through a season. Uh, everything from not making your playoffs to playing in the last possible game you could ever play in, which, you know, I think every college athlete strives for in some capacity. Uh, so I loved it. It was it was amazing, and then it led me to Trinity. So I I thank it for that as well. I, you know, I was an art and environmental studies major actually, so doesn't doesn't really uh, compute to the coaching world um, necessarily, except for maybe the creative mind. Um, but I I did not know that I was going to go into coaching. Actually, one of my closest friends had been reached out to about the field hockey assistant job here, and she was like. What are your thoughts about taking a GA position at Trinity with me next year? And we do field hockey together, and then we do lacrosse together. I was like, that sounds great. And she's like, and we get a free Masters. I was like, that sounds awesome. She's like, and you can still be involved in the sport, two years of coaching, then Masters paid for. just sounded like heaven. I was like, oh, great. I don't, you know, a college senior doesn't have to make too many too many life choices in that moment. Sounds awesome. <laughs> And just the thought of, of leaving lacrosse at that time made me so sad. Um, so it was just a perfect kind of transition into what ended up kind of being fate a little bit in my mind of just finding a career that, that I love so much and that I did not anticipate being in in any capacity. Um, and just absolutely loving working with college players and just the growth that happens over those four years. Um, I owe a lot of who I am today to my college coach and, and also to my mentor, um, Caitlin Say, who's now at, at Middlebury. But, you know, my college coach was tough on me. She let me have fun. She let me, she pushed me. She, you know, she did all those things that, that drove me to be who I am versus, you know, a lot of things happened in the classroom, but I'd say probably some more happened on the field. Now, now, as you were speaking, I'm interested. What was your thoughts of Trinity as a player at Bowling? What, if anything, what did you think about them and the school, uh, not knowing that you were going to be there in the future? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a close, close transition. I can't say I'm very close with those, those girls now that were on the team um, when I came in as an assistant, but I can't say they really liked me. Um, so, actually, the way it shook out, I had, I had never – beaten Trinity in my three years until my senior year at Bowdoin. And we played at Trinity in the Elite Eight game to go to the Final Four. And so we actually, earlier that season, I, we played in the regular season. We lost to them by one in overtime, one or two. And um, then I actually interviewed for the job right after that game, which I can't say I was in a great mental place um, after that 
and I knew I was coming to Trinity by the time we played in NCAAs that year. So knew I was coming, had interviews with Kate, got the job, was playing them, beat them by a few goals. I think there was four or five in the elite, or three maybe, elite eight game to go to the final four on the Trinity turf. So a little bit of a heated, like, we know this person's going to be our coach next year, like, we don't know how we feel about this. Um, Trinity had always been a really good competitor for Bowdoin, um, as were a lot of the schools in NESCAC, but specifically since I hadn't hadn't beaten them in my three years there prior, you know, it was a huge rivalry in my mind, anybody that you have hadn't, you know, been able to win against. Um, and so those, and then what actually happened with Kate, my boss who I was working for went on maternity leave, and I ended up being there on my own that fall. So dealing with the team on my own, one year out of college, which we don't have a fall season, so it's, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. I was helping out with field hockey, but I can't say they really liked me at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great segue to my uh, next question. I was going to bring up that, that time, that fall, when you were by yourself, basically, as an assistant. What was that like? Take us into day-to-day. And uh, just just take us into the transition from playing to coaching during that time period. And obviously you did well. You were named uh, Assistant Coach of the Year in 2012. Yeah, I think I think almost being really naive in that moment is what made it really easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I love the sport. I, I, it's so fun. It's like, it's, you're constantly problem solving. You're constantly like, figuring out who can be best in what area personnel-wise. And so I didn't know any different. So I just, I'm a pretty outgoing person, and I had a great support system. Ann Parmenter is the field hockey coach here, and um, my friend that came with me from Bowdoin, you know, we, she gave me tons of advice and just how to handle it. And, and, you know, Kate was emailing with me as she was on maternity leave. And, you know, it wasn't anything too, too tough to handle in terms of, like, orders and things like that but um you know I think that what was nice about it was that I almost had to dive in and and I think you know I've talked with a few of my players about this and and friends of mine it's like it's almost like you can never be prepared really for something you can you're always going to swim a little bit and that's the best way to learn and it's better to just jump in and and you know like embrace it versus if you feel really prepared for something, you're probably too qualified for it. Um, so I think that there's this sense of it was great that I didn't know what to expect and I didn't have this, like, past experience, quote-unquote, and that I just loved the game and that I was excited to work with it and that the priority was to build relationships and so, you know, making sure that that, that was done as well. Um, so it was almost... You know, and I had a great support system, too. So I, I can't say I did any of it really on my own. <laughs> and then in fast forward now to June 2014, you're named the head coach. So take us in that transition. What's the difference between being an assistant coach and a head coach in your day-to-day life? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, now having I have a I have assistants now, and so it's still hard for me to delegate and to deal with that because I, I think I still feel so much in those shoes. Um, in terms of just, you know, I, I definitely think that transition just happened in a way that you had to dive in again head first. Um, I was the assistant, so I was the graduate assistant for two years, and then 
he offered for me to stay a third year, which I think was a game changer. That that really made me super comfortable with the team. I had I had such a great relationship with them, and then I had such a good relationship with the head coach at the time. And then when she chose to leave, um, you know, I took a step back and kind of said, "Wow, this is a big change." I have an opportunity here potentially if the athletic director agrees for me to step into this position, you know, regardless of whether I'm five years into assistant coaching or 10 or three or two, do I want it? And I wanted it so badly. Um, I wanted every part of it. I cared so much about the team. I, I could not imagine a different place to be in at that time. And I, and I had such, a love for what the tradition was here and what was being created. I think that was the exciting piece was that we were already starting to build something so big and something had been built prior to me even being there um, that I just really wanted to kind of run with it and, and jump in. That's like director, I was really lucky at the time. You know, I said, this, I want this so badly and, and it's your choice whether, you know, Trinity uh, Lacrosse had a lot of success even before. Now you've carried it uh, seven Final Fours in a row. Talk about what have they been the keys to carrying that success and to keep it going. And I know the goal again this year is to get to eighth Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're all trying to have a field hockey coach here always says because she's a climber, you know, reach the summit and reach that peak. Um, but I think – you know, it's all about the process and the journey, and that, that is a lot of, I think that's a lot of weight on, on some of our players, but I think what it's taken is that every single year, um, I truly believe that, that the seniors have stepped up, and the whole team has stepped up, obviously, but I think that the leadership and the composure that is transferred from year to year, there's an expectation that you're doing it for the greater good um, and that you're leaving the place better than you found it and that you are kind of being the best type of teammate you can. And I, I think that it really starts, it's a trickle-down effect. I mean, it starts with the coaches, but it definitely, like, 
starts with those leaders and, and trickles down. Um, but I also am a big believer of it trickling up too. So making sure that the freshmen feel included right away, making sure that they feel like they have a role, um, just making sure that they can step up in some of those big moments for you and feel like they can, you know, help. Um, and I think that's where you may not have a ton of them on the field, but doing that in practice and doing that in moments where they can succeed, it just breeds a type of, you know, group confidence as we get forward, move forward. Coach, I'm always interested, especially at the D3 level, what is your recruiting cycle like? Do you reach out to players just during the course of the year, or do they reach out to you at this level? Just describe to our listeners who might not be too familiar how it works, Trinity Lacrosse, uh, in terms of recruiting. Yeah, the recruiting world's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, Division three. the joke is that we're the wild, wild west because we don't have too many rules. Um, the NEFCAP, which is our conference, does have rules in place, so... Um, we, we can't really have those serious conversations or do any sort of um, academic reads or admissions or anything until much later than a lot of other schools. But we can talk with recruits pretty much on the phone and via email all year round. So there's really no black, dark periods. Um, we can't talk with them in person at certain times of the year. So there's, there's rules on that. I'm trying to, you know, not give too many details to confuse people, but essentially we're, we're getting emails all year round. You know, you get hundreds of emails before a tournament up to like 300, 400. Um, I'm sure the other NEPS tech schools do as well. Um, so you're managing that. You know, your assistants are replying to a lot of it. You're replying to as much as possible. And then our cycle typically goes where we're, we're having those serious conversations all fall now for juniors. And then we're inviting them on campus in the fall and in the spring for kind of junior days. Um, and then we're kind of really taking that step with them in the summer before the application process ha- happens their senior fall. So, you know, in many ways, we're building almost two to sometimes three-year relationships with these players. Like, I've had a player that's been coming to our clinic. She loves Trinity since ninth grade. You know, I've been watching her. She's a, she's a junior now, watching her for three years. So... There's such an intense, and you get to know the families, and so it's so, so hard. I think that's something that us coaches are going to have to talk about as we move forward. The Division One level has definitely talked about it. They've implemented a lot of rules, but I think we will have to implement rules in order to just conserve the emotional energy of building relationships with people who then either do or don't end up coming to your school. And, and and making sure that players are finding the right fit. I'm a big believer that there's the right fit for almost everybody out there. And so it's making sure that they're, you know, figuring out what that is in early time. And it's on us as coaches to kind of give them that feedback of like, yes, we do or don't think you're the right fit for our program. But it is becoming, I'd say, very intense. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you're gonna you can't pick the school that you're gonna be happy at, and also at the end of the day, if, if the sport is a priority to you, the team has got to be a group of people you get along with, and it's got to be a group that you really can see yourself with because you spend a lot of time with them. <laughs> Yeah, no question about it. Coach, last question in terms of recruiting. Is there a certain geographic region you tend to focus on, whether it be the Northeast, New England, uh, in terms of recruiting? Yeah, I'd love to branch out. I think branching out takes just, you know, some 
from a financial standpoint, the like ability to get to those places, which is always just difficult in general with recruiting and at any Division three school. Um, but we are starting to. We have like a Minnesota kid now player. Um, we have somebody that lives from Chicago. Our parents now live in Florida. We're starting to kind of branch out in that area. Um, especially the Midwest and the West Coast are getting so much better at lacrosse, so that area is becoming so much more competitive, but it's still, I'd say, pretty behind the Northeast. Um, so we are definitely Northeast for the most part. A lot of Massachusetts, a lot of New Jersey. Um, it's just what we naturally attract, too. So I don't tend to fight what we attract, but I do make sure that they are the right character fit for the program and that they are the right people and the right, you know, our, the culture is so important in a team and you have to make sure that you're bringing in people that are going to help that grow and become better even. So we do, we just, Trinity naturally talks in that area. We'd love to branch out. I'm, you know, I'm doing my best to continue to do that. I go to a couple camps in California over the summer. One, um, I'd love to, I'm trying to get to one in Denver this summer. So it would be great to kind of, still continue to branch that out. Coach, last couple of minutes we have. I'm interested yeah. if you could describe um, what, what's your typical day like during the season right now, this time of year with games going on, like a typical game day for you. Tell our listeners. Yeah, um, we're practicing every day. They have to give them up one day every, basically every seven days, essentially. Um, so we're, practice, we're sharing our turf with the men this year because our turf actually um, is getting redone for next season, which will be wonderful next year. Um, but this year we're sharing the 4.30 to 6.30 or the 6.30 to 8.30 slot with the men. So we'll alternate weeks. So this week will be early slot, and next week will be the late slot. Um, so typically, you know, coaches getting in, we're doing recruiting, some recruiting emails in the morning, kind of playing catch-up. We meet around 11 to... Uh, discuss practice and just planning Monday. Usually we're trying to plan for the week. So just what do we want to get done each day and the progression of that and what that looks like. Um, obviously weather is always a concern in the spring. So that's like where we just talk about being adaptable, adjustable and things like that. Um, and then, you know, for practice day, we're either, if we're the early thought, we go out early and do extra work with the players, or we have the team watch film. So the girls could commit really three hours of their day to practice at some point, um, which is a lot. And then they have lift in season twice a week as well. And then game day, um, game day is a little bit, oh, game day is a great day. All the preparation's been done for game day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the day before game day, we do a Scouts, we typically scout the opposite team the two days before a game. Um, you know, for this week, we don't have a midweek game, so we'll be spending a little bit more time working on what we need to work on, and then scouting Thursday, Friday, and then pregame is pregame meal in the locker room. Um, the girls, you know, do kind of their own thing, dancing to music for a long time that I don't know, and, <laughs> and I kind of come in, do the lineup, and I'm a big quote person, so I do a quote and some sort of visualization. Um, we wear wristbands every year that have either a different word on them that are kind of like our trigger words, as we're, our grounding words as we're on the field. Um, for the last couple of years, they've been words. Um, this year, it was an acronym, so it looks like AAA, which is funny, but it's assess, adjust, and act. So assessing what's going on on the field, adjusting and acting. So we kind of have like 
could be a quote themed around that, could be a quote themed around just what we worked on at practice that week, it tries to be more purposeful, um, and then some visualization to kind of get us in that mode of like adjusting and acting in the game and, and what we need to do to be mentally ready to play. Um, and then they listen to a song that they've listened to for the last seven years that I've been here, and then we meet them on the field and we play. There you go. That's I'm ready to go after hearing that, uh, Coach. <laughs> what um what is the goals? The couple more games this year and the rest in the playoffs. What's the goal for this year? Yeah, definitely. I think kind of going back um, to the to the wristband piece. I think definitely as we get into every game, taking it game by game, um, like assessing what's going on in each game, making any adjustments that we need to make, and then just stepping up. Um, a lot of the quotes that we've, or a lot of the talk that we've had in the last few games is about knowing that every single one of us is capable of doing it ourselves and that we obviously look to teammates and re- rely on teammates to help us with that process or to help us when we can't, but that we're so capable on our own to do the little things well. And I think we've had two tough losses recently um, that I think are more mental than skill. Um, and so just making sure that our heads are in the right place moving forward and that, you know, I think with a team that has been successful in the past, it's easy to say, well, this path is different than that path, and this path is different than this path. And in reality, every team is different every year, and coaches say this all the time, but it's also fun to recognize that, like, every team's path is different, and they sometimes have to take a different one to get to a similar place. And we've, we've suffered, I think, a little bit more what quote-unquote people would coin as failure this season than in the past and just losses. But I think it's almost the best thing that could happen for us right now, um, that, that we learn how to be resilient in these moments and make those adjustments and act on them and, and mentally reset ourselves for the next game. And so it's awesome that we have a week right now. We've been working really hard. Um, they had a huge competition day today, which was fun. Um, it just is ready for what will be the last two games of our season and then hopefully a slew of playoffs. Well, we wish you all the best of luck. And last question, Coach, too, before I let you go is, um, I know you're active around the campus, away from lacrosse, uh, the Ventures program. You also teach in the physical education department. Just talk about your activities on the Trinity campus outside of lacrosse. Yeah, um, teach squash one. <laughs> so that's fun, and it's a great release, and some of my players take it. And it's a good way to get to know the student body, too, which I enjoy. Um, I think so much for coaches of being on a campus, of being co- college coaches is working with college students and and so often we don't only we only get to work with our athletes and so ventures amazing it's been honestly one of the what i'd say most rewarding but also like just such an engaging part of um my experience here i feel really lucky to have had robin shepherd who was the former assistant athletic director and longtime time mccall coach here kind of hand that spot over to me when she left. Um, and basically it's a women's leadership program for incoming first-year freshmen, females only. Um, so it's a two-day, it's during pre-orientation, or it's right before kind of pre-orientation, and it's kind of an intensive conference for two days. We do a lot of, we do a strength quest, 
um, where they assess their strengths and really identify like what the positive their positive strengths are and do a lot of work with them individually. Then we talk with them a lot about how to be, you know, in the classroom, being professors, like kind of setting them up to be really leaders on campus. Um, they're typically academically very strong females. I think it's been such a fun part of my experience seeing a some of my players even go through the program here and there the other student athletes go through the program but also just to get to know a group of really driven women on campus and we just had last year our first four-year graduated class so um to see them kind of go off do almost every extracurricular possible on trinity's campus and then all have you know, wonderful jobs moving forward and now have this network um, is pretty great. So it's, it's a really impressive program. It's run, I, I cannot take any credit for, you know, Sue Aper and the, um, the IT department and communications and um, Barbara Walden um, and actually Joan Hendrick, who retired, um, and a few involved from development as well um, have are part of kind of like a little cohort of strong, awesome boss ladies, as we call them, um, who, who help on this. So it's been fun, and it's definitely a great way to get to know the campus outside of athletics. Well, Coach, you sound so busy. Do you have, what do you like to do in your free time when you're out off of campus and uh, have some time to yourself? <laughs> uh, I'll let you know after season. I think <laughs> run is probably due sometime soon. I'd like, I'd like that to try to um, I do love to travel, so I, I always take time at some point in the summer to travel. Um, I, I took a great trip with some friends to, to Prague last summer, and I coached at the World Cup last summer. Um, so I did some lacrosse-related, but fun things. Um, so the World Cup was held in England, and then um, hopefully planning to do a trip this summer, and then I'm getting a dog soon. So I'm pretty excited about that. There you go. Okay. Well, Coach, th- thank you so much for joining us here in the podcast. Uh, it was great to catch up with a couple more games left in the season. We wish you all the best of luck and hope you have a nice long run uh, leading to a national championship for Trinity Women's Lacrosse. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time and having me.